Today's episode of Dog Nation Daily is brought to you by Kroger, fresh for everyone. Presented by DogNation.com, this is Dog Nation Daily, the daily podcast for Georgia Bulldogs fans. Here's your host, Brandon Adams. The lousy, stinking gators have a date with destiny tomorrow. The world's largest outdoor cocktail party, Georgia, Florida. It's the rivalry game that we believe matters more than any other. If you've heard me say it once, for those of you who've been with us for a number of years, you've heard me say it thousands of times. A good Georgia fan is a Gator hater, first and foremost. This rivalry means something. It's fun, of course. We love the cocktail party. But the game itself has just extra special meaning. We're going to talk about that here coming up in a little bit, the fact that as a Georgia fan, it feels really good to know that our coach right now understands that. And I think that Florida's trying to do its part to understand that, too, for what it's worth. But at Georgia, this is something that Kirby Smart has just sort of had figured out for a while. And we're going to talk about that here coming up in a moment. Jeff Sintel already on the scene in Jacksonville. He'll join us here coming up in a little bit, too, to kind of give us the sights and sounds. I'll be leaving early tomorrow morning to be there in time for the game. And Jeff's already there, so he'll give us a little bit of a taste of that coming up here in just a little bit there as well. But prior to any of the kind of the atmospheric stuff around the game, let's talk about what it's going to take for Georgia to get done on Saturday. First of all, here's my belief. As I said to you yesterday, if you look at most Georgia-Florida games over the course of the last decade, you've got the dud from Georgia in 2014, the no-show from Florida in 2017. But for the most part, these games are competitive, even in games in which the final margin of victory seems decisive. There are a lot of competitive moments within that game. So my expectation tomorrow is, even though I do believe Georgia to be the better of these two teams, and I do believe that two-touchdown margin that the uh, experts are currently telling you the point spread rests at, I believe that probably sounds about right. But the fact of the matter is, a game in which you win by two touchdowns does not mean you're up by two touchdowns the entirety of the game. Uh, And if previous Georgia Florida games are our guide for what's going to happen on Saturday then I believe the expectation should be that most of the moments in this game most of the snaps in this game will occur with the outcome perhaps not in doubt and if Georgia does build margin with its final uh you know scoring uh margin if it does build some margin here with its final result, uh, then it's going to take it the full 60 minutes to probably get there. That's ultimately my belief. Every snap's going to matter. Every play is going to count. And everyone on both sides will be playing with the butterflies in the stomach that kind of come in a rivalry game like this where you know the things that you do will be remembered forever and ever and ever. We still talk about Georgia-Florida games of the past on this show all the time. Georgia fans do anytime they get together. And somebody tomorrow becomes a part of the focus lore that we reminisce about in tailgates two decades from now that's what tomorrow is all about we understand that and for georgia it's obviously a little bit of a new look because as i've been pretty clear about saying for a while for the first seven games of this regular season first six and a half i guess if you want to be more specific i thought this was brock bowers team bowers was i believe the best player in college football when healthy still is but for saturday he's not healthy and he won't be playing you already know that of course and so what we're going to see is a little bit of a redefining of what georgia is especially on offense and we've kind of made the case this week that as georgia kind of redefines itself as georgia looks for its new spark the same way that bowers pretty clearly put this team on his back when it needed him second half of the game against auburn a few weeks ago now someone else has got to provide that spark and i believe the guy who's perhaps most capable of doing that most needed to do that and probably even most ready to do that is quarterback Carson Beck we told you on was it 
Tuesday, I guess it was, that late in the show, hopefully you got a chance to hear that, that it really seems like right now Beckin is in a position to really see his stature within college football grow a lot over the course of the next few weeks. And I promise you, I'm not going to turn this into the sort of like the kind of fun, like hype stuff we do from time to time. There's no, there's no, there's no Brocktober coming for Carson Beck. We're going to take a break from that here for a little while. I'm just simply pointing out that statistically speaking, he's already in a pretty good spot as it relates to, you know, you know, kind of much of uh, of what he's been able to do this season and kind of where he kind of fits into the college football landscape overall with perhaps some room to climb here in coming weeks there as well. And as Georgia looks for kind of a new leader, so to say, as Georgia looks for its new spark offensively, it seems like Beck is poised to be that guy. And in fact, one of the reason why we know this is is because of something that wide receiver Dominic Lovett said the other day now Lovett I believe could factor pretty heavily in tomorrow's game he was obviously very big against Vanderbilt two weeks ago and in talking about Carson Beck uh, in a matter of only a, sh- a short few words I thought that Lovett said something really interesting when he spoke to reporters here earlier this week about the degree to which this offense right now maybe wide receivers in particular but this offense how much they're ready to be led by Beck and how much they're ready to kind of take on the persona that Carson Beck projects this is interesting from Dominic Lovett who's been around the SEC now for a little while this is what he said earlier this week Carson doing a great job leading the team giving us confidence giving us swag so we're just gonna follow behind him and whatever he say go Let's take that literally just for a moment. First of all, uh, Lovett says, we're going to follow behind Carson Beck wherever he goes. Wherever he leads us, whatever mood he establishes for us, we're just going to follow with that. We're going to go with him, which is exactly kind of what you want, you know, kind of sort of old school thinking. The idea that the quarterback sets the tone for the offense from the purpose of uh, Dominic Lovett there. It sounds like that's true, that wherever he leads us, we're ready to follow. That's how this team believes in its quarterback right now. That matters, and that means something. And if you want to kind of dig deep into this a little bit more and take it especially literal, you know, he says that Carson does a good job of giving us confidence, of giving us swagger. We're borrowing that from him right now. I think that's something that Stetson Bennett was pretty good at doing. Bennett was almost always, regardless of the situation, just a kind of a cool customer. And it seems like the in the last couple of years, those two national championship seasons, when Georgia's offensive players needed to borrow that confidence, uh, it seems like Stetson Bennett always seemed to have it on long supply to be able to give out. That's one of those things that work. But in this particular case, the person who's speaking this, I think is pretty interesting because Lovett's one of these guys who actually you would think would have confidence of his own and perhaps that he does I'm, I'm almost certainly certainly he does because of the fact that he's had great success in the sec prior to coming to george he had a big year last year for missouri the same way that rod rod thomas has had a big year at mississippi state in the sec before coming to george guys like marcus rosemey jackson lad mcconkey others uh have had success here at uga a part of national championship teams so these guys these pass catchers guys that we all expect to sort of factor prominently in what happens for georgia tomorrow all of these guys have their own level of confidence and yet as uh lovett says in addition to that you've also got a guy like carson back providing his own level of swagger to us which i think is a really interesting word and obviously it's the kind of thing that you hope quarterbacks can have the kind of thing you think quarterbacks can earn more on that in a moment but uh love it who would perhaps have his own confidence because of his own track record for success in the sec says 
we're still getting some of what Carson has. The confidence he has, he's supplying some of that to us. The swagger he has, he is supplying some of that to us, and I think that's really cool. And specifically in terms of what that means for Saturday's game, we know this is a homecoming. This is Carson back, back in his hometown playing in Jacksonville. That's a really big deal, I would say. We've kind of made a big deal about it on the show at times here this week. And what Dominic Love had also told us this week was is that Carson Beck has not really hold, held back in saying that, hey, the confidence I have, the swagger I have, that I can go out and lead our team to victory on Saturday, I need you to be ready for this moment because of what the game means to me personally. That's something that Dominic Lovett has also said Carson Beck has not shied away from apparently talking about here this week. Here's more of Dominic Lovett on how Carson's leading this team specifically before the lousy stinking Gators on Saturday. More from Dominic Lovett. The main thing was, like, he was like, you know, he visiting his uh, hometown, which I can understand coming from where I came from. So he really just said he kind of wanted to just help us. Uh, he just wanted to lead us to, like, a victory. But he's, he he wanted to do it while having fun. But he is excited to play in his hometown. I mean, you know, who wouldn't be? So I understand where he coming from. So that was, like, a big thing. He just wanted us to, you know, stay locked in, stay focused, don't overwhelm myself. But he does, like, want to help us uh, win because it's in his hometown. I mean – if I were to just kind of give you my knee-jerk reaction when I'm hearing from Dominic Lovett right there, it sounds like to me this is a quarterback back who has a really strong rapport with his wide receivers, and Dominic Lovett's a veteran guy here. Lovett's not going to give his respect over to someone who doesn't deserve it and who hasn't earned it, but it sounds like Dominic Lovett truly respects Carson Beck, really believes he's the quarterback to distribute the football where it needs to go on Saturday and beyond. I think that's kind of a cool thing. And let's not lose sight of this that Saturday is a really big moment for Carson Beck. And while your swagger, your confidence, these things that Lovett says Beck has, they certainly help you going into Jacksonville on Saturday. The other thing we know is they're also going to be tested too because there is a moment for every confident athlete where they are forced to ask themselves, is my confidence well-earned? Do I truly deserve to be in this moment? You've perhaps heard the idea of like imposter syndrome or something like that, that moment when you're not quite so sure you're kind of ready for the moment that you're in and perhaps you're about to find out that you're not. I would say even great athletes maybe aren't quite totally immune to that. And there could be some moments in which, you know, Carson Beck has to face that on Saturday too of, I have believed this is what I'm here for. I am back here to my hometown folks in Jacksonville to show them how much I've grown since I was a high school quarterback, you know, all these years ago. And yet the Georgia-Florida game, because of the intensity of the rival, has a way, rivalry, has a way of testing what it is you think you know about yourself. And with that in mind, I was kind of thinking about this for Carson on Saturday. If I could wish any performance on Carson, if I could go back to any kind of recent moment from Georgia history and grab that and say, hey, Carson, you go replicate this on Saturday. The thing I would want for him is what Jake Fromm did against Florida in 2018. And a lot of you remember the circumstances around that game. Georgia hadn't gotten embarrassed in its most recent game prior to that back in 2018. Had lost by 20 points at LSU, an LSU team that was not quite the team it would become later on. A good team, but not a great team. Almost every Georgia fan was totally shell-shocked by the fact that Georgia even lost that day, and actually Georgia lost by three touchdowns. It was a pretty demoralizing moment for UGA. There were a lot of calls that Jake Fromm perhaps shouldn't be the starting quarterback for UGA anymore. Maybe Justin Fields needed to be that guy there at that time. 
Georgia was going into Jacksonville to face a Florida team that would eventually finish the year in the top 10. This is a good Florida team uh, of Dan Mullen there that particular year and what was Mullen's first year on the job there with the lousy stinking Gators. This is a big game against a good team with a lot of really tough questions being asked about UGA. And Jake Fromm arguably played the best game he ever played as a Georgia quarterback in that moment in which Georgia's season was kind of teetering on the brink. They'd go on to win the SEC East and almost made the college football playoff. Uh, when Jake Fromm's status as a Georgia starting quarterback was perhaps also teetering just a bit there as well. Fromm went out and played like he had swagger and played like he had confidence. But on the inside, yeah, he was feeling some anxiety. He was feeling some nervousness. He told us this two weeks ago on the show. This is what Jake Fromm said about that moment when he joined us last week. I mean, a, a lot. I mean, it was a lot of pressure put on myself from myself um, just because I, I wanted to play great. I didn't want to let the guys down. I mean, we had a great team with, with great opportunities in front of us, and, and I, I didn't want to be that guy that, that, that held us back from, from getting to those opportunities. So um, I, I wanted to, to play great, obviously, and, um, man, we really went to work and uh, had a great uh, bye week, man. We got a lot of reps in and, and figured a lot of things out, and, um it, uh, it came up that next week big force. So I'll never know what it feels like to be a great athlete because obviously I wasn't one and still am not one. I'll never know what it truly feels like. But if you piece together what we're hearing from other great athletes, I do think you can get sort of a picture of what Carson Beck's going to be like on Saturday. As Dominic Lovett describes, there is confidence and swagger on the outside. As Jake Fromm describes before what was one of his biggest games ever against Florida a few years ago, there was also nervousness on the inside, pressure on the inside of what it means to play well, what it would mean not to play well. You feel that on the inside, even as you project that confidence and swagger on the outside. That's what rivalry games are all about. And the very best players, specifically the very best quarterbacks, process all of that very well. We have every reason to believe that Carson Beck also processes this very well, too. Feeling what he feels on the inside because he knows this could be his moment. Uh, challenge to project on the outside what his teammates need to feed off the confidence and swagger that he provides. This really could be a big one for Carson Beck, not just because it's a homecoming, but also because it's the next big springboard to propel Georgia through all the big games that are coming up after this. It truly could be that Carson Beck's moment has arrived. And if that's true, it's arriving at exactly the right time here for UGA. My name is Brandon Adams, and this is Dog Nation Daily, the daily podcast for Georgia Bulldogs fans. We are presented today by Kroger. We're glad to have you with us. No matter how you get to us, first and 15, 945, first and 15, dognation.com, dognation app. At one point in time, I had a little bit of a bad habit of being late for our first and 15. But we haven't been late for the first and 15 in months. We've been right there, 945. We hit it hard every single day. We were a little late today, and that was totally my fault. So I apologize for that. But really, it's been nice to be on a long string of just like right on time, starting for our first and 15. Been a really good thing. Been really, really proud of that. And look forward to getting back to that because that's what you do. You get back on the horse again after you fall off. We had a little bit of a away from work challenge today we had to deal with. But nonetheless, uh, we're back rolling again here. And of course, video across all platforms at 10 a.m. We always hit it right on the number there. Podcasts, wherever you find them. Radio, Athens Sports Radio 960, The Ref. Just really, really glad to have you as a part of the program. And of course, there is one thing that's always true especially if you have young kids, you're kind of aware of this, or when you used to be a young kid, you remember this. 
when you get to Georgia, Florida weekend, you know you've kind of also arrived at Halloween. Sometimes this game's on Halloween. Sometimes for those of you, do you remember the old Jacksonville landing when you would have the uh, party like the night before the Georgia, Florida game? Sometimes it would also be like a Halloween party and it would be all these people dressed in costumes and things like that. There's always been a connection between Georgia and Florida and Halloween, of course, as we transition here to our friends at Kroger bringing today's show possible, making it possible for you here today. Don't forget that Kroger's got you covered for all your Halloween needs there as well. Scary good savings on, you know, uh, the tag reflected merchandise such as decor, uh, the tree carriers, uh, the the pumpkin carving kits, so much more. By the way, we had the big pumpkin carving night at our house the other day. You just get pumpkin stuff all over. And it's just a total mess. My kids love that. I, my wife and I love doing that with them. It's a special part of the Halloween season. If you want to make those great memories with your family too, go to Kroger.com slash Halloween for more on that today that's kroger.com slash halloween for more on that today all right we've got jeff Sintel coming up a little bit of a cocktail party update from him already on the scene there prior to that speaking of cocktails let's uh go around the doghouse here today poured by a ready to drink cocktail that you know by now is a big part of everything that we do and especially on weekends like this when the cocktail party takes center stage for us that means the finished long drink and today around the doghouse is poured to you by the finished long drink there as well so let's talk about the rivalry game here for a moment let's talk about something that i really really like and let me start by talking about something that i don't really like so yesterday we played this for you it was uh steve spurrier talking about how billy napier had brought him in to speak to the team and i don't like spurrier i don't think i like napier i don't like anybody who wears orange and blue but there's an element of what Florida is doing there, Napier bringing in Spurrier, that you have to say that just sort of makes some sense. Because ultimately, this is what I think Billy Napier probably kind of gets. And, you know, listen, sometimes we look at our rivals and we say they're dumb, but they're not stupid. Napier may be dumb, but he's not stupid. I think when he looks at his relationship to Florida, only having been there now about a season and a half, and when he looks at the intensity of the rivalry that's existed for decades before he got there, I think Billy Napier says, when it comes to knowing how to talk about this rivalry, I may not get it right, but let me make sure I don't get it wrong. And so, therefore, let me bring in Steve Spurrier, because as much as it pains some of us to admit, certainly pains me to admit, when Spurrier was head coach of Florida, he obviously had success in this rivalry. Georgia has been working hard to pay the Gators back for that uh, these last years. But, you know, Spurrier had some success. And so Billy Napier says, I may know how to talk about the X's and O's, and I may know know how to talk about the, hey, not getting too high, too low, whatever else. I may know that stuff, but when it comes to the specific nature of this rivalry and how to have success in it, perhaps I don't know how to talk about that. You'll remember this from yesterday. Spurrier said I was the guy that was invited to do that because Billy Napier says, if you're not careful, you don't strike the right tone for this. You don't strike the right emotional balance for this. I was listening to a radio interview the other day with Matt Wyatt the former Mississippi State quarterback and Wyatt was from the state of Alabama and what he said was coming from Alabama to Mississippi State and Starkville is just across the Alabama border it's not too far away but coming to Starkville from the state of Alabama that he didn't really know the Egg Bowl as much as some of the other guys on that team did who were from Mississippi but the one thing Wyatt said he noticed was hey the week of that game they were different practice they had a level of focus that was different and everybody understands that about rivalry games. Uh, uh, you know, we talked to Terrence Edwards about this yesterday. Of course, you recognize the difference in practice before you play a game like this. 
And if you're a coach, you want to be really careful not to mess that up. Don't make too much of out of it, but don't undersell what this game means to your most important fans, your most important boosters, and some of the players there on your roster. I want to give you an example of this. Do you remember before Georgia played Auburn? Remember Hugh Freeze? You know, Freeze has been around the SEC, and one of the things you you know, conceivably hire him for at Auburn, you sort of endure some embarrassment because of some of Freeze's past actions. You endure that because, well, at least this guy knows his way around the SEC. But we found out pretty quick that when it comes to talking about a big rivalry game, in this case, the Deep South's oldest rivalry between Georgia and Auburn, Hugh Freeze really kind of didn't know how to talk about it. It was a kind of a pretty big blunder there early in the week that I don't know if it cost him the game against Georgia, but it certainly cost him a little bit of a bond with his fans. you got to imagine this. This was awkward. It was weird. Let's go back and hear this Hugh Freeze prior to Georgia playing Auburn this year. Seemingly very little understanding of what the Georgia-Auburn rivalry, the Deep South's oldest rivalry, was all about. This is Freeze back in September. I mean, I don't want to quote something that's inaccurate, but it, I, I, it's the oldest rivalry in the South for sure. I don't, I don't know about nationally, but um, it's 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 – it's am I, am I saying that correctly um so um i i don't sense that it has uh um i better not i don't know this is right or wrong but i'm new here but i, I don't sense the hatred that is in some other rivalries that i've been a part of but nonetheless i think it's uh i think it's intense okay well, i'll find out um you know, I, I'm not big on hate. I, I'm really not. I'm, 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 I'm big on just, man, th- this means something to so many people, so we should compete in a way out of love for our people, not necessarily for hate for other people. That's kind of the way I, I operate. But, man, I, I, I hope we compete because we love Auburn, and it means something to the Auburn people to compete against Georgia. So um, that, that'll, that'll be my approach. And um, But nonetheless that love is a great motivator for me how awkward is that like that's like cringy awkward and listen i kind of get what he's saying there at the end i try not to hate people either but i've got no problem hating a thing florida football is a thing i've got no problem hating a thing like florida football that's what rivalry is all about it's just sort of fun uh it's fun to have a degree of sports hate for something uh but the other part of that where he's like i don't sense there's the same level of hate here for this one and he's like uh, actually coach there is like he has to be corrected off the uh you know kind of off mic off camera with that the whole thing is just like super cringy and super awkward and Hugh Freeze is having to play the I'm new here like that's never a thing you want someone making millions of dollars to have to say uh, hey I'm still sort of feeling my way around here still trying to figure out where the you know where the bathrooms are like that's 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 a weird thing for a coach like that to have to say a very awkward moment trying to talk about this rivalry and apparently Billy Napier wanted to avoid that this week so therefore you bring in Steve Spurrier let him speak to the team and I don't you know not a terrible idea I guess uh if you're if you're afraid that you can't get it right then make sure you don't get it wrong bringing a guy like Spurrier talk about his history here in this rivalry but this is where it brings us to Georgia this is the thing that I just think if you're a Georgia fan you're very happy about even though Kirby Smart when he's speaking about you know stuff publicly is very careful to say hey Georgia's got a lot of rivalries everything's a rivalry in the SEC you know there's a certain way in which you sort of speak about this when you're kind of asked the sort of direct questions coaches kind of know how to make sure they don't make anything more than it needs to be but there are also those moments in which your real feelings are 
revealed. And we've seen plenty of that from Smart on the sidelines throughout the years, including, by the way, in this series there as well. Many of you know what I'm talking about. That there is an aspect of this game that obviously means more to a Georgia alumnus. And obviously, Georgia fans have had fun with having one of their own as head coach. Just little stuff, right? I mean, let's go back to SEC media days. Uh, what is it? A year ago, two years ago, I forget when, when exactly when this was, but it was SEC media days. You know, Kirby's asked a question by a reporter about keeping the game in Jacksonville, something we've obviously talked plenty about. But the reporter said something to the, about the Florida Georgia game. And this rivalry, one of the little things in this rivalry is the idea, because it's not a, a home and home. See, when something's a home and home, the home team is always second. You know, when you see it listed, it's always second. But because this game is in a neutral side, it's kind of however you want to say it. And so, therefore, Georgia fans have always taken pride in mentioning their team, their school first here. And when this popped up at SEC Media Days, Kirby Smart was more than happy to offer the correction. This is a little thing. But it's an example of not like Hugh Freeze not knowing how to speak about a rivalry or someone like Billy Napier, perhaps because he's from the outside, not being well versed to just sort of be off the cuff about this. Kirby Smart clearly deeply within his soul knows what this is all about. So after a reporter mentioned something about the Florida Georgia game, as it was called, this is what Kirby said in response to that. Well, first off, you misspoke about the game. It's the Georgia Florida game. Okay, so <laughs> I want to clear that up. Simple to the point not a huge deal but little stuff matters especially in the sec right i mean little things matter in the sec because what's the story of a rivalry it's a thousand little things added together it's they did this to us so we did this to them and this is why i don't like them and this is why they don't like us it's all a bunch of little stuff and if you deconstruct any of it none of it matters probably all that much but when you add it all together it creates an atmosphere and atmospheres create feelings and the feelings we have for a game like this they're just different and Kirby Smart understands that and I believe it's one of the things that has fueled him to so much success here in this rivalry and I believe it could play a big role in fueling him to even more success there tomorrow and I for one am very happy to be there to see it and that is around the doghouse it's poured today by the finished long drink and simply put on a cocktail party weekend the best ready to drink cocktail mixed drink right there in a can it's exactly what you ought to have in your cooler as you're heading towards the stadium there tomorrow and maybe it's a great time to try that peach flavored version of the finished long drink there as well show those folks the peach state has invaded jacksonville with some peach flavored version of the finished long drink or perhaps it's the long drink cranberry or the long drink strong eight and a half percent alcohol by volume <laughs> On a day like tomorrow, I know many of you are ready to do that. Long drink zero, no carbs, no sugar. Uh, long drink traditional blue can, the grapefruit flavor, the gin kick. That's actually probably still my favorite, even after all these years. So y'all find it online, thelongdrink.com. You can put in your zip code. And perhaps if you're driving through South Georgia tomorrow, Brunswick, somewhere like that, or you know, heading into uh, Florida, if you want to figure out where you can pick some up, the long drink website, thelongdrink.com, will tell you everything you need to know about all of that the finished long drink pouring around the doghouse for us here today okay so before we are done there is a whole nother big crop of games outside of georgia florida taking place here this weekend we'll preview some of that for you but for now to get a sight and a sound of what's going on on the ground there in jacksonville and also a little bit on uj recruiting there as well let's do all that with jeff Sintel here right now on dog nation daily presented by kroger 
from Athens and across the SEC or wherever the recruiting trail may lead, here's a DogNation.com insider. Jeff sort of represents the Dog Nation scout party already on the scene there in Jacksonville, Florida's first coast. Uh, last night with our friends at the Jacksonville Bulldog Club. I'll see them tomorrow. Jeff saw them last night. Uh, that's always one of my favorite parts of this, too. Just one of the great organizations sporting UGA football, our friends with the Jacksonville Bulldog Club. That's always a great time. Jeff is also kind of nosing around RV City a little bit there last night there as well. So, Jeff, give us an idea how it's been going, what you've been enjoying, and how many Georgia fans, or as uh, Larry Munson once called them, all these dog people uh, down there for four and five days in these condominiums. What has it been like here thus far? Hey, Brandon. Hey, good morning, everybody. It's been amazing. I mean, this is what you come down to to Jacksonville. It used to be called Actionville, I guess, to some. But this is a place where you just never forget. And you just walk, you just walk through, you just walk through, you just experience it. And it's so many, like, moments that strung together where, like, first of all, here's a unscripted brag on BA segment. I asked my friend who knows coastal Georgia, about as well as I'm supposed to know the Georgia recruiting board. I asked him for a lunch spot yesterday, and he absolutely over-delivered. Nice. Beautiful, pristine. You know, Brandon's got a little bit of, you know, KG Wiley veteran travel scribe in him if he ever wanted to get that way around <laughs> Amelia, Fernandina, <laughs> anywhere around Brunswick, St. Simon, Sea Island. You know, Brandon's got a pretty good Rolodex and stuff like that. But I have spent Brandon, a good bit of time in that area. Yes, I have, sir. Yeah, Brandon, we're, we're, if we could ever figure out a way to do the podcast every day from Amelia, that would be a great life for you. Uh, but um, I'm walking around Amelia, and like somebody comes up to me really randomly and proposes marriage. And oh, this wow. is like, my wife's with me. Like She's like, oh, this is fun. Like It was a bachelorette weekend, and that was part of their scavenger hunts for you. I mean, and you just sit there and you go, yeah, I've been in this area for about an hour now, and it's just what Georgia, Florida week is all about. We're checking into a hotel, and they're 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 hurriedly Brandon trying to make their lobbies and atriums look like the Super Bowl is happening this weekend, yeah. with orange and blue and red and black, and they're trying to put up these streamers in front of the check-in desks, and they're like, one of the associates notices, well, we don't have one for Florida, and this 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 lady that was checking in with us, she goes, oh, you don't need one of those for them, that's all right, <laughs> <laughs> you don't need them. I mean, it's just kind of what it is, man. This week, it is a Georgia-Florida week. It, I was driving by RB City, coming out of the Jacksonville Bulldog Club. Excuse me, the Georgia Bulldog Club of Jacksonville. i got to get that right. Um, and Snoop Dogg is blaring inside the, the the meeting on the Thursday night meeting before the game, the Bulldog Club of Jacksonville. There's a guy that comes up advertising, got to come by and try my – it's some variant of a hunch-punch type thing, and – He'll knock you on your socks or knock you out of your socks. But there are people in, like, red and black pants already. They're raffling off everything under the sun. I mean, these folks in Jacksonville, and everybody that has that pushback about home and home, when they have that little narrative and they have that great, you know, pinpoint PowerPoint presentation, I'm just like, man, you just got to go to Jacksonville more. You just got to experience that game for what it is a little bit more. So you can truly uh, make that statement with some confidence. So this is a weird comparison, but I want you to see if I, uh, you understand what I'm about to say here. When I go to this game, there's a sense that I've kind of like traveled back in time to an era before I was kind of old enough to appreciate Georgia football. Like I grew up 
hearing all the great stories about what this was like, you know, back in the, you know, the, the heyday of Vince Dooley and Larry Munson with Herschel Walker and the dominance that George enjoyed. And honestly, when I was starting to go to this game, for the most part, it was Florida wins. And so I was always like really, you know, envious, jealous of that era before mine in which, you know, Georgia fans seemingly had gone down there and had so much fun and obviously had sort of dominated and, and, and controlled the series. And so now that we're kind of back in an era again in which Georgia has thankfully been on top here, when I'm there and I'm seeing the people having a good time and I, it kind of takes me back to, to a, a time that's actually not it's not something I, i'm not nostalgic for because i don't have any living memory of it but it kind of takes me back to the stories that i heard growing up and i sort of feel like well okay i'm sort of living through this here right now it's sort of the same reason why like this year i want georgia to make the college football playoff no matter what but i really want them to play in the sugar bowl that's one of the national semifinal games because while i've been lucky enough to go to the sugar bowl a couple of times when georgia's played there and it's a great experience to be there for a college football playoff kind of also takes me back to that era of hearing the great stories of oh yeah we were down there on bourbon street after beating notre dame and this happened and that happened and you're not old enough to have experienced that but you would have loved to been able to travel back in time and to go see it i'm hoping to have that experience later on this year but every time i get a chance to do this game especially in this era in which georgia thankfully is winning all of these games it just kind of takes me to that era of the stories that I heard growing up and now getting a chance to sort of replicate with our own generation here right now. So this is one of the points I made, Brandon, uh, for the, the Bulldog Club last night. And I think one of my duties as a scribe, as a reporter, is to provide perspective. And this is one of those games where you know, I can tell really quickly if you're a big-time dog fan um, when we start talking Georgia-Florida, if I can – if I can throw out scores, and scores in this game mean yeah. something. They're ingrained into our memories. If I throw out 26 to 21, you better remember that, or maybe yeah. you might have to give up that beautiful polo you're wearing right now that probably costs more than three tanks of gas to get down to Jacksonville with. You know, you realize 37-17. You realize yeah. 24 to 3. You realize recently 42 to 7. I mean, this is a game where – and it's like – it's really funny. You mentioned the 90s, Brandon. Georgia won from 1990 to 2003. They won one game in Jacksonville. One. That could be somebody's whole entire childhood from, like, age five to going off to college at Georgia. It almost, it almost was. I mean, I, I mean, it was certainly most of my formative years. I can promise you that. <laughs> yeah, that's probably why the lousy stinking, you kind of twist that knife every time. <laughs> Because I'd be lying I mean, if I said it didn't have something to do with it. I, I would. Now, uh, I, 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 that, that's my, I guess, eighth grade year uh, through married. That's that's eighth grade through married for me. That the, That's what I lived with from eighth grade through being married. <laughs> you know, Brandon, this rivalry to me over the last two or, year, two or three years, it wasn't those FTMF uh, memes <laughs> that you saw, which, which add some to the rivalry but like i started far fans started coming up to me and even they're like trying to play that card of sane rational not rabid gator fan or whatever they were they weren't wearing jorts they didn't have a mullet they looked like you know they were a responsible member of society and they're like how much longer do you think kirby's going to have there at georgia do you think he's going to go off to the nfl so like when they realize the other side's got the death star except this one doesn't have the thermal exhaust port they're like, we're in trouble. So is he going to move on like, like Steve did eventually? Um, 
and, and you just watch the people in this game. Like, Brandon, there's so many people that have stories. There's so many people that go back and forth. And, you know, how it's really turned. And, and, and perspective is really big, Brandon, because, like, I, I went through this recently. You know, the best run uh, for Dooley's teams in the 80s was 24 out of 25. Yeah. The best run for Saban's Alabama. And you, you got a couple of really strong stretches. But the biggest number they ever put out was put up was 36 out of 37. Georgia is now 40 out of 41. And if that doesn't hit home, if you're a, if you want to call this the, the glory era, you know, these are, these are the new glory years, or if you want to call it the new golden era, a lot of people have different names for it. And it's always fun to hear the different names they have. But to see here and see this Georgia team and doesn't have to click on all cylinders to win this weekend, just has to play good football. I think they will rotate like a merry-go-round. This might be the Rah Rah Thomas game. It might be the Lad McConkey game, or it might be the Dominic Lovett or Oscar Delp game. And maybe Dejan is next week. Maybe Kendall is this week. They don't have to look to any one guy to win these games. It's just like, okay, whatever the matchups dictate, we're going to feed that guy. Um, it's just Georgia could not have been in a better spot and a bigger spot. And I think as long as Kirby's around, that, that from 1990 – to 2003 for them is going to look like 2016 to maybe 2030 or 2033 where they only get one or two on their side. Yeah, and the time we have left, let's uh, transition and I guess do what we're supposed to do, which is talk a little bit of recruiting here for a moment. And obviously Georgia-Florida relevant because what happened last week, LJ McRae chose Florida. We, we didn't expect him to choose Georgia, but I think I probably expected him to choose Florida State, and ultimately Florida was the choice there for McRae. What do you think that the you know kind of rise of Florida has a little bit of recruiting power here? We're seeing, obviously, right now, Billy Napier's recruiting at a level much higher than anything either of you know the last handful of Florida coaches have recruited at, you know, kind of getting this team back to sort of a top three type level. McCray's a big win, you know, swooping in to, you know, not just money whip, but, you know, a team like Florida State that also thought it was going to be able to do the same thing perhaps. And, and ultimately it's Florida who kind of swoops in and wins this battle. What is the rise of Florida's recruiting power again kind of make what does that mean for georgia's overall recruiting efforts because the mccray thing's kind of interesting because these are the sort of things that we think about a, a, a jalen carter certainly but even like a warren brinson you know coming into florida to get defensive linemen that's something that georgia's been doing as of late and perhaps with all three of the major powers in florida florida state florida miami all kind of spending big in nil is the sunshine state going to be a little, a little less friendly for georgia moving forward now I don't think so. Remember how Georgia's done the last few years, getting six out of the top ten players in Florida? Uh, you mentioned L.J. McCray. I'll give you some quick player parallel association. I think he's going to be a Gravon Dexter-type player. And when we remember when Dexter went away, that Georgia wanted him really bad. Georgia had a sniff at him. Uh, he eventually chose the Gators. And when he went to Florida, everybody was like, wow, uh, he's going to be great. He's going to be make them a little bit better. But I think you need about – seven to nine more Javon Dexter types. Dexter's in the NFL now. He had a decent career at Florida. Never really, you know, saw the potential of what he thought he could do in Florida. And I guess I'll just cut straight to the heart here. Number three in the country, Brandon, I really think that recruiting class is not quite fool's gold or eye candy, but it's at the point of it. And my point here is simple. They have one offensive lineman that's ranked among the top ten in the country in this class, Brandon. 
and that's Fletcher Westfall, a guy that I believe could have could have been a bulldog if Georgia wanted him to be a part of their six man offensive line class. And you sit there and look at it, you know, they, they're getting a lot of things right with skill guys at Florida, but they currently this class, Brandon. I looked at it recently. They have the number 150, 100, 125 overall offensive tackle. And then their next best offensive lineman is a three-star. You're not going to win in the SEC when you're not devoting those resources uh, to the trenches on both sides of the ball um, the way you're going to have to do to compete against Georgia. I think Florida will line up tomorrow, and they'll, they will give the, give the dogs a game. But ultimately, I, will think, I think you will see one football team is just much more physical, much more a, a man-handling type team. And one of the other, the other side is the blue and, blue and orange side is more of a finesse type team. You wrote about this the other day. It was a little bit eye-opening for some Georgia fans. See Ellis Robinson, who I think right now is, I mean, he's certainly among the prized recruits for Georgia's 2024 class, but he was also on hand for Miami in its win against Clemson on Saturday. But it sounds like you don't think Georgia fans have anything to worry about as it relates to Robinson here right now? Do not. I mean, Robinson has been a dog lock for some time. He's been a Georgia Bulldog lock since, <clears throat> I mean, he, he made his commitment back in February. Um, the only other school he talks to is Miami. And then he was silently committed before that. We were able to share a really strong story. Brandon, I think it's probably one of the most powerful I've ever documented for my time here at Dog Nation, dating back to 2015. And I simply asked the mother of Ellis Robinson, you know, why Georgia? What do you like best about Georgia? And first of all, she, she wanted you to understand her son. She called Ellis a mama's boy, said he really has feelings. He's a really sensitive young man. He's really passionate and emotional about things he cares about in life. But then she shared a story, Brandon, while um, Ellis had meniscus surgery that kind of cost him four games of his junior year. And when the family was in the car on the way for that procedure, the Georgia staff, including Director of Recruiting Administration Christina Harris, got on the phone. They wished the family well. They led the family in prayer on the way to that procedure. Brandon, this was in the middle of 2023 when other schools were clamoring and trying to rally to finish out their classes for 2023. Georgia was making the number one, the number one cornerback in the country by far. Um, they were having genuine emotional connection with him and his family, so much to the fact that when Nicole Robinson hung up that phone, she's like, that's it. I'm, it's done. That Georgia sealed the deal for me because of the way they cared for her son not just as a, <clears throat> as a vessel for locking down future Florida receivers, just because of that connection that they'd made, the way they'd recruited him like nobody else. And that stuff sticks with him is now, Brandon, you know, Miami keeps coming, and the term money whip, I, I think that's appropriate. Millions of dollars in NIL is what Ellis Robinson could get if he was about that. But he just loves everything about Georgia. They love the people in the building. They love talking to Kirby Smart. And that's one of those stories. We've written those a lot, Brandon. But when you get the dog staff on the phone with a player, a junior player at that, who's on the way to a procedure, when some of the other schools that were recruiting him, as vastly talented as Ellison Robinson is, Ellis Robinson is, they'd kind of forgotten about him. They didn't see him playing. They weren't even aware of the procedure. And you've got Georgia um, making the connection that they did on the way to surgery. It's just amazing how this staff always gets it, always gets it right. And you're talking about Ellis Robinson, Brandon. I'm the guy that, you know, I want people to keep the receipts. I think Ellis will be the most talented, skilled corner that Kirby Smart has ever signed at Georgia. And that's 
I'm saying that with a lot of respect to Eric Stokes, Kamari Lassiter, Keely Ringo, Tyson Campbell, um, even A.J. Harris, the freshman in this class. As far as skills to play the position, as far as length, I think not only he's the number one cornerback in the country, but this is a guy that would have been the number one cornerback in the country maybe the least, at least the last three or four years back. Uh, let me just squeeze in one tiny thing before we let you go here. This is kind of away from Georgia, but I'm curious about you know just kind of the recruiting landscape in general. I thought Ryan Wingo going to Texas this week was kind of interesting, the five-star wide receiver. It seems like he was heading towards Missouri. It seems like that was another one of those examples of Missouri kind of leveraging some of its NIL stuff to bring in kind of an elite-level recruit the same way we saw them do with williams Winery. Uh, a month or so ago how much of the wingo kind of oh look at that he's picked texas maybe a little bit like mccray picking florida how much like big surprise stuff do you think we could see down the stretch whether it be georgia or perhaps maybe just sort of these other teams like are we going to see these sort of last minute swerves now start to happen a little bit more on a regular basis i mean do you kind of see you know some of that happening you know like a Jeremiah Smith comes to mind or somebody like that where you know you could sort of see something crazy kind of happen here at the end how much, how much fireworks do you think around UGA with the other major recruiting pattern powers could we see as we head towards uh, this early signing period yeah I guess I want fans to to look at that through the filter of kind of the way Braves fans have been educated through certain payroll caps to look at it and what I mean by that is towards later in the season you're going to have teams understanding where guys may be portaling or where guys may be going pro, and they realize, hey, we need another remarkable asset right there. My big takeaway from the Wingo decision is, it, it, to me, it's a crack in what Eli Drinkwitz is trying to build at Missouri because, look at it, they've got this, this sporty record right now. They're 7-1. and one. They're angling for an SEC first-place SEC East showdown in Athens next week. And – They've got Luther Burden as a model to say, hey, come here, get featured, play a lot, get yourself some NIL, get your face on the bag of the potato chips like on the potato chips like Luther Burden got. And for him to choose Texas, I think that was a big kind of a statement that he made. You want to call it a vote of no confidence or maybe a vote of more confidence, confidence in Steve Sarkeesian in Texas. I think that's what it feels like to me. I think you're going to see more schools figure out, hey, we're going to need a guy here because this guy's leaving or this guy's going to go pro and we need to come back in and fill with another talent there. I think that's mostly what you'll see. Not a lot of high-end, Brandon. I think it's fascinating to look at the, basically the top 35 players in the country, and I think only one or two right now are even uncommitted, and we've never seen that before. But that's the NIL era. This is the age where everybody tries to get everybody committed over the summer. And that's kind of what the long-term future is going to look like. It might not be as, as much of those late fireworks. I think Georgia will try to flip three or four guys. They'll have a lot of success in doing so that are on their board. But a lot of those big guys, some of these papers are already kind of signed and sealed and agreements and handshakes have been done for a while. All right, Jeff, great stuff. Thank you so much for being here. Enjoy your time. I look forward to seeing you there tomorrow, and we'll do what we've done many times in the past. We'll watch Georgia, Florida right there in Jackson and hopefully see the dogs get another win against those lousy, stinking Gators, and then we'll get ready to do it 364 days later. Uh, Jeff, really good stuff. Thanks for your time. Hey, man, can't wait to hear that Gator Hater countdown get a little fatter over the weekend, man. Love it, love it, Jeff. We'll talk to you then. Let's take a look around the rest of the league. This is SEC Through. Really, really, really good stuff. You get the taste of what it's kind of already like down there on the uh, first coast and around those, as Larry Munson said, those 
St. Simons and Jekyll Island and all these places where these dog people have these condominiums for four and five days. I, I just love it. Uh, I just do. And for those of you who are already there and you're perhaps enjoying our show as you are there, maybe on that second cup of coffee or maybe you're just waking up because of something you did last night. Well, hey, whatever. Uh, no judging here. Just enjoy yourself. And uh, we will see you at the stadium there on Saturday as I'll be uh, coming over tomorrow. So can't wait for that. Let's also get ready to go cruising around the SEC, courtesy of Royal Caribbean. Of course, when you think about, you know, time at the beach and having a good time there, it also thinks, makes me think about what else I enjoy, which is a Royal Caribbean cruise vacation. And, man, we got some great stuff in store in 2024. In fact, think about this. So you're there in Jacksonville. And that means just a little short drive, 95, on you know, 95 from there. They get you to Port Canaveral. And in July of 2024, there's a wonderful debut there at Port Canaveral. It's the brand-new Oasis-class ship known as uh, Utopia of the Seas. And this is kind of a cool thing. So for a long time, and if you traveled before, you kind of understand this. Cruised before, you have understand this. Uh, if you're new to cruising, I'll explain it to you really quickly. For a long time, when Royal Caribbean would introduce like the Oasis-class ship, which has been kind of the largest category of ships for, for quite some time, those ships were sort of exclusively reserved for like the seven night sailings and honestly i think a seven night sailing is a really great first cruise opportunity because you can experience kind of the fullness of everything that royal caribbean offers but for some people especially people with families a seven night cruise can be oftentimes not the easiest commitment because so many people have so many things going on or perhaps it's you know kind of a you know uh cost concerns whatever else so a lot of people are saying you know it'd be great to take a shorter cruise a three or a four night sailing on one of these big oasis class ships and so this year royal caribbean is kind of rolling that out the chance to take a a three and a four night sailing a convenient shorter sailing perhaps over a long weekend on oasis class ship to sort of get the fullness of everything that royal caribbean offers but in july of 2024 not only will they do three and four night sailings on a large oasis class cruise ship but they're also going to do it on a brand new cruise ship this never happened before it's a really cool thing and Jessica Slater can tell you more about Utopia of the Seasons debut there in July. So check out Jessica. You can give her a call, 770-718-9147. That's 770-718-9147. You can also email her, jslater at dreamvacations.com. All right, I want to go cruise around the SEC, courtesy of Rural Equipment. We'll kind of do what we do on Friday. Give you big thoughts, final thoughts on the big games of the weekend. Let me start with Georgia and Florida. It's as simple as this for me. We've said that the magic number here is 13. 13 points allowed in each of the next four games that's the recipe for georgia to staying on the path to go for three and 23 and that's quite the response that georgia can offer with a defense that's probably faced some you know criticism and questions more so than we're used to seeing the georgia defense face but go out there and allow no more than 13 points in any of the next four games and you're talking about being undefeated through this stretch of rivalry game ranked opponents and still well on track for that third straight national championship, or as I said, go for three and 23, that being the mission. So if you keep Florida 13 there on Saturday, tomorrow, then it's simply a matter of how many can you score to create the margin of victory that you want? We talked earlier about the confidence, the swagger that Carson Beck possesses here. Uh, the idea that he pushes past whatever nervousness and anxiety he has about arguably playing on the biggest stage of his season here to this point in time. I think Carson Beck can find his way to 30 for Georgia. In fact, that's our score for Saturday. We got Georgia winning against Florida 30-13. to 13. And if you care, 
that obviously uh, covers the point spread for the dogs there as well. But we'll take Georgia 30-13 to here in this spot on Saturday. Another SEC game of note, it features a future Georgia opponent taking uh, on a team that Georgia's already beaten. That's Kentucky hosting uh, Tennessee with the uh, Vols seeing themselves as a three-and-a-half point road underdog. Tennessee has not been good on the road against SEC teams as of late, just one and four against the spread in their last five conference road games. So this is not an easy spot for Tennessee necessarily, although they did beat uh, Kentucky last year 44-6 to in a game played in Knoxville. But ultimately, I think the vibes for these two teams are pretty different. I mean, you can look at Tennessee's game against Alabama and think, oh gosh, what you know could that have been? Obviously, Tennessee had the first half lead. But ultimately, this is a Tennessee team that even if it can't win the division, still thinks it's playing for something. Or if it's not going to win the division, maybe it's better said, still thinks it's playing for something. I think it's still kind of playing to preserve the remnants of positive momentum that Tennessee thought it had last year. And it beat Alabama a year ago, had a chance to beat them for a second straight year. They feel like they've done something here. And so I think against Kentucky on Saturday, I sort of feel like they think they've got something to play for. On the flip side of this, I don't love the vibes around Kentucky. And in, in fact, their really impressive win against Florida a few weeks ago. Doesn't that seem like a total outlier on what the rest of the Kentucky season has sort of been? Kind of does to me anyway, including last or two Saturdays ago against uh, you know, Missouri there as well. This just or actually last Saturday, this just sort of feels like a Kentucky team that's either heading in a bad direction or just sort of filled with a lot of sideways energy right now and really kind of going nowhere fast. And so from that standpoint, I think the vibe here is on the side of Tennessee, and I do expect Tennessee to cover the spread on the road on Saturday just simply because I think there's something going on at Tennessee right now that's perhaps more positive than whatever might be going on at Kentucky where Mark Stoops sort of feuded with some of his fans over NIL, had kind of an awkward moment on a radio show, openly has feuded over the course of the last year with his basketball coach, John Calipari. Seems like Mitch Barnhart, the athletic director, sort of mixed up in some of that. And comparatively speaking, I think that Tennessee has just much better vibes all around. As I told you yesterday, too, I don't expect this to happen, but I'd have my eye on it a little bit. Do we eventually see some or maybe perhaps slightly more of Nico Imaleva, the freshman quarterback there, as a way of maybe also providing a little bit of an offensive spark if Tennessee needs that? I would at least check the pulse on that a little bit because obviously that'll be relevant for what Tennessee might look like when they take on Georgia coming up in a couple of weeks. The rest of the SEC slate, not particularly great, uh, not particularly interesting, I don't think. So we'll step outside and go to top 25 action here. Texas hosts BYU. A Longhorns this week have been about a 17.5-point favorite. They'll obviously play this game without Quinn Ewers. Much the same way you say watch out for Nico Imaleva, you might also watch out for a little bit of Arch Manning. There's a chance he could play on Saturday. Obviously, he won't start. Malik Murphy is the starting quarterback there. And this is a guy who had a lot of buzz around him going back to spring practice. Texas has been a uh, preseason playoff pick for me. Obviously, they're trying to maintain that status after losing to Oklahoma a couple of weeks ago. But the truth is, even though they scuffled last week against Houston, this is something I expect Texas to do. I think they want to make that Big 12 title game matter. They obviously just won the Ryan Wingo recruitment. So people are feeling good in Austin here right now. And this is a BYU team that earlier you know, this year got completely blown out by TCU. What was the final score? They lost 44-11 to to a TCU team that's not very good. The new Big 12 teams are all struggling here against what we kind of think of as the heritage Big 12 teams. Obviously, Texas is on its way out, but they're still in the league for right now. I think it's a showcase game for Blake Murphy. Maybe a little light dusting of Arch Manning on the uh, – 
situation there too but whatever it is it's enough to get taxes to the pay window against the cougars uh, i believe they'll cover the 17 and a half even with a backup quarterback however I've, I've got the uh road team when it comes to the other game in the pac-12 worth noting oregon traveling to utah utah fresh off its win last week uh, against usc but that to me says more about the trojans and the kind of listless lifeless frankly weak and soft team the trojans are here right now utah is physically tough but it's an oregon team that's also tough both mentally and physically and frankly you know i think oregon even in losing to washington gives itself the look of being one of the upper echelon teams in college football also dan lanning has not had trouble on the road rice eccles stadium is typically thought to be among the toughest home field advantages in all the country for whoever goes there. But the fact is, when it when it comes to playing Pac-12 teams on the road in six previous games as head coach, Dan Lanning 4-2 and two against the spread versus Pac-12 teams away from Eugene, Oregon. So from that standpoint, favored in Salt Lake City against a Kyle Winningham team, not always an easy spot to be in. But I just believe that Oregon's the better team. I believe they cover the number. And when they do, let that be a little bit of a reminder to you there as well. You know, we, we didn't make too big of a deal about this on the show, but earlier this week, Urban Meyer taking care of one of his former assistants called Kyle Whittingham the best coach in college football. So if you want a little rooting interest here already, you probably root for Dan Lanning because you like him. But uh, maybe root against Utah on Saturday just for the sheer ridiculousness. I mean, take Kirby Smart out of it for a moment. I mean, Smart is, uh, is in our minds, the best coach in college football. But to tout Winningham even over Nick Saban seems pretty weird there, too. So we would rank Kirby Smart as the best coach. But to, to say Winningham is the best coach and uh, not mention Kirby or Saban, in this case, Kirby probably more relevant for this audience, uh, kind of a silly thing for Urban Meyer to do. And pretty clearly a guy who's trying to take care of one of his own and perhaps protect his own legacy there, too, knowing that you know he's you know pretty you know, quickly being trampled by the likes of a Kirby Smart here who's emerging as much as he is here right now. So when and if... Or, utah loses on saturday just keep in mind it also proves urban meyer wrong which in the eyes of georgia fans never a bad thing to do Uh, i'll take louisville minus four against uh against duke you know the riley leonard status here a good quarterback but probably still banged up and if that be the case duke's not going on the road and beating a louisville team right now that I think has the look of being a pretty good football team here. I, I really do. What uh, Brahm's doing there in his kind of return home after establishing himself as a great play-calling style head coach at Purdue. I think Louisville's a pretty good football team right now. Good enough to beat Duke on Saturday. And then I'll take the underdog, Wisconsin. 14.5-point underdogs against Ohio State. There is something about this Ohio State offense that's just not quite right. Good resume. They've won at Notre Dame. They beat Penn State last week. But offensively, other than Marvin Harrison Jr., just something's kind of missing here right now. Kyle McCord is not a uh, very effective follow-up to what C.J. Stroud was before that, and that may be enough for Wisconsin to keep it closer than experts think on Saturday. We'll make that cruise around the SEC, courtesy of Royal Caribbean, and a look at some of the weekend's big games. And, of course, we'll be following those all week long. Now, speaking of fun things coming up, obviously a lot of uh, football action coming up. But in addition to that, if you're in the Cartersville, Bartow County area, some really fun things coming up there as well that you want to keep in mind here for this upcoming uh, weekend, too, including Westfest at the Booth Museum. It's October 26th through the 28th. It's a great Western experience reenacting the uh, gunfight of the OK Corral. You got some live music, some Native American dancing, and some delicious food trucks going on with that. Also, how about the Evolution of Bigfoot Expedition? Not Expedition. <laughs> That's a different thing. This is an exhibition. An expedition is a journey. An exhibition is a great 
great showcase of things, and that's what this uh, evolution of Bigfoot uh, uh, is going to be. It's it's going on right now at the Savoy Auto Museum. That's always a lot of fun. Uh, Bigfoot monster trucks and all those really cool things. You can see all that there at the uh, Savoy Auto Museum, which is a beautiful facility. I see that a lot as I'm driving to high school football. Wonderful place. And then, of course, you got the big time uh, pub crawl coming uh, with Halloween in mind here around Cartersville is there as well. That's October 27th, 28th. It's just $45 and you can get a beverage at 10 participating locations. So some really fun stuff there on that. Uh, that's coming up there as well. That's this weekend. The other stuff may have already been over with. But anyway, that's coming up this weekend. So make sure you check that out. The website to go to here is only in CartersvilleBarto.com. That's only in CartersvilleBarto.com for more on that and good vibes to go out into the cocktail party weekend let's give you some as you would imagine lousy stinking gator themed golden shoes we'll roll through a few of these starting with waylon wilson i always like these spirit halloween costumes he says here's a spirit halloween costume for the gator fan items include trash can with the uh, lousy stinking gator logo uh, the idea that this is our year with delusional fans. Stats from 2008. SEC, baby. Head coach optional. Very funny stuff from uh, Waylon uh, Wilson there. Kind of the play on the spirit Halloween meme that we've seen a lot here over the course of the last couple of years. Good stuff from Waylon. He's become a very prolific golden shoe winner. Uh, speaking of prolific winners, about uh, Ryan Walker there as well. Just, just a few memories, he says, to go along with hunting those lousy, stinking gators. Fried gator tail and nuggets with hot sauce, light bread with collards, mac and cheese, some sweet tea, and some peach copper with some vanilla ice cream on deck. You love that from Ryan Walker, and you see the beautiful graphic here with the Hart Bridge and the stadium in the background. Kirby choking out the Gator. Uh, you see No Sean Marino going over the pile. Larry Munson making the great call. Harry Dog holding up the Gator hunting season. Uh, Lindsey Scott. He's got, how about Lindsey Scott running on the Hart Bridge there? Uh, that is an amazing thing. Ryan Walker, very, very talented guy, and a well-deserved golden shoe for him with all the Gators kind of hanging <laughs> there in the background that's a that's a pretty good scene right there for ryan walker and a great montage of moments for georgia in this rivalry boy you really really love that and then finally we'll give you mad dog who you knew would be heard from there as well he says it's time to get serious about wrestling those lousy stinking gators into submission and you see kirby smart doing that sitting on the uh, gator there get those hands clamped around the mouth uh total alpha move there owning that gator and we expect the same thing to happen there tomorrow mad dog great to hear from you we'll give you a golden shoe for that there as well and to all of you this is what the countdown has been all about getting down to this moment we are just one day away we will see you in jacksonville if you can't be there with us in person join us for the dog nation post game show from the field after the game and we will hopefully bask in the glow and the glory of another victory against florida tomorrow can't wait to see you there for it. We'll also see you back here Monday. Dog Nation Daily, presented by Kroger. Enjoy the game, everybody, and don't forget to be a Gator hater all weekend long.